WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Hello, everybody. This is WVUA 90.7 FM, the capstone, and welcome to episode number 40 of the Full Court Press Podcast. My name is Jamie Martinez, and I'm joined by Alex Chasen and Nick Atkinson. On today's episode, look forward to league news and our NBA's best dynasties tier lists. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at FCP Podcast underscore UA and on TikTok at FCP underscore podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. Jumping right into the news, the most improved player and the rookie of the year have been announced over the last few days. Starting off with the most improved player, Laurie Markkinen from the Utah Jazz. I'm going to start off with Jamie and Nick. Did you pick Laurie as well? Yeah. Uh, I believe you picked Macau. No, you, oh, yeah, you're right, yeah. and you picked Laurie. Uh-huh. I know I picked SGA. So, Jamie, walk me through it. So, uh, I made the reasoning last time. I thought it was just reasonable for um, Laurie to win it. Not taking anything away from the last two guys, but SGA was still a 25-point-per-game scorer last year. He's already been fantastic, whereas Laurie Markkinen last year was just a bench player. And he comes back uh, to a Utah team that didn't have really any expectations. I know... Um, in our original rankings, uh, power rankings at the very beginning of the year, before the game started, I had Utah at like the 15 seed. So, I mean, yeah, they were like the 11 or 12 seed, I think. But still, Laurie Markkinen, first time all-star, he showed out uh, and had a fantastic season for himself. So, uh, Laurie, I think, was very deserving of the comeback player of the year. Yeah, I can't be mad at it. Obviously, I'm going for Sorry. I said comeback player of the year. That's the NFL. Sorry. Most improved. Same yeah. thing. Obviously, I wish SGA won it. I just think it's harder to jump from 20-something points to 30-something points, which SGA did. But, again, I'm not mad with the Laurie Markin. He did jump from being a bench player to a all-star. not superstar, but all-star in the NBA. Exactly, Nick. So I can't be mad at it. And then Rookie of the Year, unanimous, really no debate here. He wasn't an unanimous vote, but no debate. Paolo Boncaro of the Orlando Magic, one of the most polished NBA rookies to come into the league in a very long time. Really no flaws except his three-point shot did start to decrease throughout the season. It started off pretty well and then went into like around the 20s, a sub-30, which is not good if you want to be a superstar in the NBA, but not bad. He'll work on it. He'll pan it out. Exactly. He's a rookie, but definitely one of the most polished NBA rookies coming to the league in a while. The Rockets have found their new head coach, Ime Udoka or Nick Nurse. Those are the top two guys. And it was Ime Udoka who actually had his introductory press conference earlier today. Today is Wednesday. Per Adrian Wojnarowski, Udoka and the Rockets moved fairly quickly toward each other after the initial meeting. Sources tell ESPN Udoka and the GM Raphael Stone kept talking on the job. Both sides had a strong had strong options in the Marcus marketplace, but the deal got done within the last 24 hours. This came out a few days ago. And what sold Udoka was the cap space and the chance of getting the number one overall pick, which could be who? Victor Webinyama. Victor Webinyama, exactly, and also the young talent along the side of that. I know I made the video on the Instagram, and you got guys like Jalen Green, Jabari Smith Jr., Tari Eason, Kevin Porter Jr., Albert Sangoon, exactly. Also with the possibility of getting the number one overall pick and getting the pick of whoever you want, who's mostly going to be Victor Webinyama. But then also the possibility, this is just a slight rumor in NBA circles. It hasn't come out by any huge source like Woj or Shams yet. But the possibility of James Harden going back to Houston... That is big news. And Nick, how do you feel about, obviously, the coaching choice with Ime Odoka and then also the possibility of those two other dominoes falling into place? Um, I actually do hope Harden leaves. Um, I just, know you don't like him. Yeah, just, I just don't like his play style. I don't think it fits the team that we have around Maxi, who's already playing undersized shooting guard for the most part some nights. I don't know. But for them, I think that that could be a, a big thing for them if they're able to get Weminyama in, if they're able to get Harden, and then you have Jalen Green, then you probably would have to trade you know, some guys, and then you could build a really good roster. But I think that this is the type of team that you need to put um, Udoka on because he's a young coach, and he can develop the team as he continues to develop as a coach. So I agree with that. And he's also obviously already proven himself to be able to lead a locker room, obviously going to the NBA Finals last year with the Celtics. My only question is, is he has obviously off-court issues. I know it was a one-time thing and people grow and every I'm all for second chances. That's not where I'm going with this. But the Houston Rockets are a very young team and an immature team. you got guys like Kevin Porter Jr. who's on one of the rarest contracts in the NBA. I know we talked about this on a podcast months ago. He's on like an NFL contract where it's not guaranteed because of the off-court issues. So can he control guys with off-court issues? We shall see. But definitely great NBA mind. You know, right when you walk in the room, you give him your respect because he earned it last year and when he was an assistant coach in other places as well. So good hiring for the Rockets. We'll just have to see how he can manage all those different attitudes in Houston. Moving on, though, what does this mean for Nick Nurse? Obviously, 
He can't go back to the Raptors. The Rockets job is taken. This leaves the Pistons as the only job available for Nick Nurse as of right now, unless some team comes out of the woodworks and fires their head coach after the postseason or whatever it may be. But per Woj, the Pistons coaching search is advancing the second round of interviews with Milwaukee assistant coach Charles Lee, ex-UConn and overtime elite coach Kevin Ollie, and New Orleans assistant Jaron Collins. What name is not mentioned there? Nick Nurse. So could Nick Nurse be jobless going into the next season or would he have to be an assistant coach? Very interesting because he was not named as those top three candidates for the Pistons, which is interesting how an overtime elite coach, granted former UConn coach, is a higher up candidate than Nick Nurse, who had a, who has a one championship. Granted, again, he was blessed with Ka- Kawhi Leonard, but still, a very interesting take there that he is not mentioned in that tweet at all for the Pistons coaching hiring. So again, he might be jobless, might be forced into an assistant coaching role. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens this offseason or in the coming weeks with Nick Nurse, the Pistons, and any other team that might come available for a coach. Jumping into, obviously, the playoffs going on right now. NBA round one so far. We're going to continue doing this throughout the playoffs. Round two is coming up soon. We have the first matchup be solidified. That is Denver and Phoenix out in the Western Conference for the second round. No other matchup has been solidified just yet. All the other first rounds are going on, but let's talk about the East. Starting off there, Bucks versus Heat. They play again tonight. Game 5, which is in Milwaukee, but it's the game so far. The Heat are up 3-1. In a surprising victory in Game 4, the Heat came back, and Jimmy Buckets did Jimmy Buckets show up. 56 points, 2 assists, 9 rebounds, 1 block, almost 40% from 3, almost 70% from the field. This puts him in a top echelon. The only players to score more in a playoff game were Michael Jordan with 63, Eldrin Baylor with 61, and Donovan Mitchell with 57. Butler became the 4th with 56. Again, joining Jordan, Wilt, Cham- Wilt Chamberlain, Charles Barkley. The previous Heat playoff record for points in the game was 49 by uh, no one else but LBJ King James. But now, playoff Jimmy holds that record in Miami, and then again, his fourth place all-time with playoff points. Either of you guys, how are you feeling about this Milwaukee Bucks? Obviously, falling apart. Again, Giannis came back. He didn't have a bad game himself. He had 26 points. He actually had a triple-double in only 30, well, not just only, in 38 minutes of work. He had a triple-double, but still, overall as a team, the Heat are up 3-1. I don't care who you are. That is a hard task to come back from. Yeah, obviously not a lot of teams can come back from 3-1 leads, but um, if there's going to be a team to do it, I could definitely see it being Milwaukee. Um, you know, they have a lot of heart. Obviously, we've seen what Giannis can do on the court. Um, I did hear a report saying Giannis played with, like, everything he had last night. He was playing very he injured. He had IVs. Yeah, he had IVs put in him after the game. So I, he, he left it all on the court last night, um, unfortunately, uh, to a loss because of playoff Jimmy Butler, who we all know very well. So um, the Bucks, it's a lot to, you know, climb back for him, but it's not impossible. So I'm not counting him out just yet. Yeah, I agree. I I think that the Bucks would be the team to be able to come back. Obviously, it's going to be difficult to do it. And if the Heat play the same way that they played the last, you know, four games, then it's going to be very difficult for Milwaukee to come back. And if they are to lose this series, then I honestly don't even know if the Heat will get past New York slash Cleveland. I just don't. I think they've got a little bit lucky with this series because you know they already lost to um to Atlanta in a playing game and they already really weren't too built for the playoffs as it was. But you know, Milwaukee is gonna have to find some sort of game plan to where they can take pressure off of Giannis and and let the other pieces actually play. The crazy part is, is they lost Tyler Hero early in this series. And then Victor Oladipo in Game 3 per Shams Harania. He suffered a season-ending torn patellar, patellar tendon in his left knee. The injuries don't stop coming for Vigo. It's sad. But he tweeted out saying, again, I'm just paraphrasing, but he's going to come back better than ever. But still, this man six years ago, in the past six years, went from a two-time All-Star, leading the Pacers to the playoffs. Never made it far, obviously. But they gave some battles to that. I remember the Celtics one year. They played him in the first round with Kyrie Irving. But still, V.O. was went from a two-time All-Star to now barely finding his role, can't really cement a role in the NBA, especially with Miami where he's been the past few years. It's just sad to see that for Victor Oladipo, but we wish him his, his best. But this series is going to come down. I think it could. The Bucks can still come back. I'm not counting them out at all, especially if they win tonight when this podcast comes out. They may be eliminated. We'll sh- we shall see on that part. But again, you cannot count out the Bucks. They are the number one seed for a reason. Moving on to Cleveland versus New York. Also surprising, the New York Knicks are up 3-1. I predicted this going to 7, and I gave Cleveland the edge. But Donovan Mitchell... Is not showing up in the moments he has been, especially in Utah during the playoffs. Just the Knicks have been overall just manhandling the Cavs relatively easily. Defensively, they have been terrific. The Cavs had only 79 points in Game 3, which is the lowest this entire season. 
not just the playoffs, not just the regular season, the entire playoffs. Moving on to game four, the Knicks won 102 93. Again, they've just been so fantastic defensively, only letting the Cavs score more than 100 points in one game. Every night, it's pretty easy for a team to score in the modern NBA to score 100 points. That's only happened one time when the Cavs won game two. Game five is tonight at 7 p.m. When this podcast comes out, we'll already know obviously what happened with that. But again, this series is crazy. Jamie, do you have any takes on how well the Knicks are surprisingly just taking over Cleveland? Yeah, so I mean, New York, it's been pretty insane to see. Um, I don't think really anybody predicted the series to go this way. I originally on our playoff predictions said that this would come to seven and it would be a home game type thing where teams only went at home because Madison Square Garden is an extremely tough uh, place to play. And we've obviously seen it. However, the Knicks did steal one in Cleveland, making it a lot harder for them. So um, they're going to have one more game in um, New York if they lose tonight. So um, I think it's going to be extremely hard for the Knicks to lose this series. Um, as much as I hate to say because I had a lot of belief in the Cavs, they're still young. Uh, this is Evan Mobley and Darius Garland's first playoff series. The Knicks have been through this. So um, I think this is the Knicks series to lose at this point. I can agree with that. Moving on to Knicks series, well, half series. Are you rooting for well, – let me ask you this. Now that the Clippers out, we're, are out, we'll touch on that in a minute. Are you a 76ers fan? No, not until Harden's off the team. All right. Well, anyways, the 76 – I'll let you speak again in a second. But the 76ers swept the Nets. The one and only sweep – so far in the playoffs, they won 96-88 in Game 4 to sweep the Brooklyn Nets without their star, Joel Embiid, who sprained his right LCL in his knee in Game 3. He was out Game 4. Again, he is predicted he'll be all good for the semifinals coming up. Whenever the Whoever wins between the Celtics and Hawks, we'll talk about that again coming up soon. Hopefully the Celtics, but not looking great. But anyways, with that said, whoever wins that series will be playing a injured Joel Embiid, but he is predicted that he'll be all ready to go for that series. But Nick, what is your take on the series as a whole? And man, they won without Joel Embiid. That just goes to attest to your great depth. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they have good depth. I think that... But I also think that, you know, in my opinion, Harden's just not a good playoff performer. He's kind of showed he hasn't been a good playoff performer in this series. He, I, That's just one reason why I want him off of the team. But um, I, I really like how Tyrese Maxey has been playing. I liked how Tobias Harris actually had a good game for once. And, um, you know, I think that we can – I think I, I really like the defense that we played against one of the best defensive teams in the NBA – so I think that, that w- that'll be the main way that we'll shut down whoever we play, probably being Boston, uh, which it's going to still be hard to do that, especially whenever Harden's getting guarded by Marcus Smart. He'll probably have one of the worst playoff series of his career. Um, or Derek White. They both can. I mean, yeah, wh- whoever's getting – if it'll probably be Marcus Smart on Harden, though, and Harden will probably play really bad. But um, I don't know. I think that they just got to – they just got to try to find somebody, one of the wing players to play well because I think that Maxi and Harden are going to be locked down by if they play the Celtics. Moving on to the Celtics versus the Hawks. They are currently up 3-2 against the Atlanta Hawks, and they started off 2-0, then it went to 2-1, and then it went to 3-1. And then last night, the Atlanta Hawks beat the Boston Celtics in Game 5. Man, it's all good, though. But just the worst part is that DeJounte Murray was suspended for Game 5 due to his actions at the end of Game 4. This is part of the NBA communications. Atlanta Hawks guard DeJounte Murray has been suspended one game without pay for making inappropriate contact and verbal abuse to a game official. It was announced today by executive vice president, blah, 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 a bunch of media professional jargon there. But anyways, the point being, he was suspended for his actions at the end of Game 4 when he bumped a referee. And then DeJounte Murray's... Words are this, and this was an exact quote from yesterday's morning shoot-around. A lot of ignoring, a lot of brushing me off, brushing my teammates off when asking questions of how we could be better, Murray said. And even just with the individual, it goes back to San Antonio when he was playing in San, in San Antonio, where I don't know why that person treated me that way, treated me like this over the years. Nick, I'm going to start off with you because I know you answered that poll. I didn't see your response, Jamie. You might have. I just I just know I saw Nick. He got that blue Instagram background, so it's easy to – when you're in your graduation photo, so it's easy to spot. But anyways, you don't like the suspension. You didn't like this. I mean, obviously the Hawks still won, but you didn't like the suspension a lot like you didn't like the Draymond Green one. Yeah, I just think it's a little bit of a too too soft of a situation. Obviously he was talking to the ref, obviously, but um, I, I think that it could have been handled differently. I think the suspension was a little too harsh. Um, I think that we could have just had a fine, and I think minute restrictions wouldn't even be too harsh. I, I think that it should have just been a fine and 
just something down the line of some other sort of repercussion besides not being able to play on the basketball court. Yeah, it's just like just comparing it, and I know every situation is different, but if you compare it to the Draymond Green one, Draymond is a two-sided thing. At least that's my opinion. Sabonis led to Draymond's actions. But then this one, he just like went up and just chest-bumped the ref. I just feel like that's like crossing the line. And I feel like that it that does warrant more action than what happened with Draymond. I think it does warrant a suspension because you can't do that. Uh, that's just my take on it. You have any opinion on that one, Jamie? Uh, I don't. I remember. I remember seeing the video, but I don't remember what the contact, uh, how harsh it was. But you still, he just um, kind of went up and chest bumped him, and then said something when he was walking off the court. Yeah, uh, it, I think it can go either way. I could see a, an argument for both sides. Um, I mean, at this point, it doesn't matter anymore because the Hawks still, they you know, win. got away with a win uh, in an insane game with Trey Young hitting an absolute dagger from 30 feet out. So um, it is what it is for DeJounte Murray. I think it's going to be very beneficial that he comes back for game six because it's going to be in Atlanta. So um, the Hawks, they're looking pretty good right now. I think they have a decent shot, depending on how Jason Tatum plays, of winning game six. And if this goes to game seven... I see Boston winning nonetheless because it's in TD Garden. I wouldn't count Atlanta out, though. This is going to be a fun series. And the funny part is that the Janet Jackson concert that was supposed to be held in Staples Farm Farm Arena has been canceled because I guess even their own stadium company, you know, Staples... State Farm? State Farm. I don't know why I was saying Staples. You know, think State Farm. Staples Center. Yeah, State Farm Arena. They didn't even believe in the Hawks being the Celtics or even going to six games. So they just canceled the Janet Jackson concert for Thursday night. And uh, that was pretty funny seeing Trey Young tweet about it. But just my last little take on this is Jalen Brown showed up last night, but Jason Tatum only had 19 points. He shot 40%, 10% from three. One for 10. You can't be doing that, bro. Now on the flip side, Jalen Brown shot 20% from the free throw line. I, I expect not that bad, but he's not the best free throw shooter. He's never, never has been. But he had 35 points on 65% shooting, almost 60% from three. Jason Tatum, dude, come on. You're going to be going down as one of the – you're going to be going on in the James Harden conversation if you continue this play, and Nick will be talking a lot of smack about you. So he's got to fix that up for game six, or we're going to be going back to Boston, and it's going to be our series to lose. But anyways, moving on out west, the Denver Nuggets, the second team we're going to talk about, they have beat the Timberwolves 4-1 to in that series in game three after their game three loss. Ant said, Anthony Edwards said, we won't get swept. Well, you did your darn job, but then you lost game five. So you accomplished what you wanted to, I guess, but not really because you then you lost game five, 112-109, a gentleman's sweep, as some may say. Anthony Edwards missed a tying three, just ran off the court, and that was it for the Timberwolves. Either of you guys, I mean, we didn't really, I mean, we kind of expected this. I thought it would maybe go six. Because I feel like the Timberwolves have the talent level to compete a little bit more than what they did. But each game was relatively close except game one. That was a just complete blowout by Denver. But either of you guys have a take on this series? No, not really. Uh, the only thing that this series made me realize is Anthony Edwards will not be a Timberwolf for his entire career. Mm-hmm. I think he'll go for that. his own team. I, I think it is his team. It he is just got to get Cat and Carl Anthony Barrel. Towns and Rudy Gobert just haven't produced the help that he needs. Cat was playing good. I think Cat played all right, Gobert. but Rudy Gobert, um, and it's pretty dysfunctional as we saw with Kyle Anderson. So I would just, um, I, I don't know. I just think Denver's a tough team to face nonetheless, and the Timberwolves kept up a fight throughout the entire time. The last two games, especially, they won Game Four, Game Five was only a three point, mm-hmm. uh, three point loss. Despite Denver really holding the lead the entire time, um, they still kept it close. So. I think uh, I think the future will be will be solid for Minnesota. I feel like I agree with Nick. I feel like it is Ant's team. I just don't know if you want to get rid of Cat though. Cause I, I mean, would that duo. I wouldn't get rid of. I that. would just if I was them, I would get rid of Gobert. It's gonna be hard. And though. I would. Uh, let, yeah, that's that gonna contract. be difficult to do that. Um, and then Jaden McDaniels has proved that he's a good defender. So you could probably move Cat back to center and then just have him do everything defensively. And then you you have Kyle Anderson will be your small four. They could be a really good defensive team with being with Ant and Cat just being your only scores. And Ant, I was saying yesterday that Ant could he could I mean he can't be the point guard, but he could be the point guard. Like a Devin Booker. Yeah. I know tough times right now, yeah. but like a Devin Booker. Yeah. I can agree with that. Moving on though to Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns. They beat the Los Angeles Clippers four to one in that series, finishing last night in game five with a 136-130 gentleman sweep over the Los Angeles Clippers. And I'll let Nick talk. Don't you worry, Nick. I promise I'll let you 
have your I'll let you have the final word about Russell Westbrook in this entire series. But I just do I want to give some news that Kawhi Leonard missed the last three games of this series with a right knee, knee sprain that turned out this morning per Shamsarani. He's being diagnosed with a torn meniscus in his right knee. I'm in no question a medical doctor here, but if I if I get me correctly, I believe a torn meniscus is better than like a torn ACL, a torn They're MCL. They're both really bad. They're both bad, but a torn meniscus is just I believe easier to heal than either of those two. Again, nowhere near a medical doctor, not claiming. I could be completely wrong, but I believe a meniscus is just not better, but it's easier to heal from than ACL, MCL, you know, those types of PCL, those types of knee injuries. But just terrible news for Kawhi Leonard coming off a knee injury, obviously, from a couple years ago. Just can't seem to stay healthy. And now we know why he's been sitting out along with the off-court personal issues that we don't need to touch on here. But something happened with his family and his sister. But terrible news going on for Kawhi Leonard right now. We wish him the best, and hopefully the Clippers can turn this around and hopefully they can be all healthy going into the next season or at least by the all-star break i mean not even the all-star break by winter time like christmas time so they can push into the all-star break and start building that team back up again a few things though last night kevin Durant had 31 points six rebounds 10 for 19 from the field six four for six from three fantastic game to close it out and then devin booker almost 50 points he had 47 points eight rebounds 10 assists two steals leading the playoffs so far in points. And in this first round, D-Book averaged 37.2 points, five rebounds, almost seven assists, two and a half steals, 60, 47, and 86. Those percentages are insane. He joins Russell Westbrook and Michael Jordan as the only players to average 35, five, and two in the playoffs. And then Nick, I'll let you talk about Russell Westbrook. I have the stats right there. He had a fantastic series until the final game. He didn't have his best shooting performance, but again, he did put it out all out on the court. What is your take on this? Oh, I read the stat sheet wrong. Uh, yeah, I mean, there wasn't much he could do anyways. As soon as they tipped the ball, I could just kind of tell it was the end of the game just because Devin Booker had nobody to guard him. That was the reason why they blew the three game, four games straight was because nobody was guarding Devin Booker. This was the one game that Kevin Durant was actually able to outperform Westbrook and Westbrook actually kind of wasn't even guarding him. It was a lot of Terrence Mann. But, um, yeah, Devin Booker, he just he went crazy. But he did show a lot of love to Westbrook, so I can't even be mad that they beat us. Uh, that's all right. It is what it is. I think that they'll still be a good team. It'll be a good series between them and uh, them and Denver. But um, They won't get swept? No, nah, I, I mean, it's just I talk. Know, just it's just yeah, talk. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, Phoenix, they, they, are, they are a good team. But I am genuinely concerned – for their depth because they barely beat us in all of those games and we only had Westbrook. So and Norman Powell. Norman Powell was really good. But um as far as Westbrook and what I think about his performance, I think that um I think that this really goes to show of how good uh, how good he is of as a player performer. You already mentioned that he averaged 35 5 and 5 and the slander that he gets for not making it past the first round and all that's just not it just goes to a test that every time he gets to the playoffs it's just not it's just he always has something that uh, stops him with with injuries and everything. This is the first playoff series that he had where he was healthy since 2018. So um, I, I was definitely impressed with how he played. I don't know if he's going to go back to Los Angeles next season. I think he will. He said he really enjoyed it there. I enjoyed how the fans embraced him and how they acclimated him into the roster. Tyron Lue showed him a lot of love in the postgame interview. So I would definitely like to see Westbrook back on the Clippers. They just have a couple of salary cap issues. I mean, obviously, they could sign Westbrook for – I was reading earlier they could sign him for $3.5 million a year. You think he would do that? Well, they can sign him for up to eight. Okay. But but they were saying sign him for 3.5, then sign another free agent for $5 million, then bring Plumlee back on his bird rights. So that's what I think they should do. And they could look really good next year. I think you got to get some of the some guys out of there. Like you got to – I think you can – Bones Highland, he's young. I think you can get him out. I think you can get um, – Even though they just go? Yeah, I would. He, he proved to me he's not too good in this series. Uh so, yeah, I think that going forward, though, Paul George and Westbrook healthy, they can carry you through the regular season. They were, that's what they were doing without Kawhi. Then it was it was flopped around, and then Kawhi and Westbrook were doing really good. But Westbrook can't do it all by himself. He's 35 years old. So, you know, it was a good series, though. It was it was, it was was good to see him back playing how he, how he is. Definitely. Moving on to Jamie's series, the Kings versus the Warriors, who haven't played in a few days. But this series is all tied up, Jamie. Kings went up. Actually... I'll give you your credit. You predicted this exactly 100% correct so far. The Kings went up 2-0, and the Warriors won both their home games in San Francisco Wednesday night tonight at 10 p.m. Who's winning game five? Um, it really depends on De'Aaron Fox. 
obviously he has, per Adrian Wojnarowski, that fractured finger uh, that he suffered in game four about midway through the fourth quarter. Um, he will be using a protective cover throughout the game. And there was some videos out there of him uh, learning how to shoot with that protective cover on his finger. It helps so. his, oh, he's a lefty, though. He is he lefty. He's a lefty, yeah. Uh, it is his shooting hand still, so um, it, nonetheless, it's going to hurt him. But uh, he has been shooting well, extremely well throughout the playoffs, both at the rim from three and from mid-range. So it'll be very interesting to see how this affects him. The Warriors do look hot, but this is in Sacramento. So um, I this will definitely go either way. It, this, is, this game is not just going to come down to De'Aaron Fox. It's also going to come down to other guys like Jordan Poole, how he performs because he played phenomenal in game four. But for the first three games, he didn't look all that. And then DeMontis Sabonis, who has been just straight up lackluster throughout the entire series. So if he can actually step up and, you know, start playing some bully ball like Kevon Looney's been doing with him, I think Sacramento stands a decent chance. Um, so I'm not sure if I have a winner tonight. Uh, if With a fully healthy Sacramento team, I believe the Kings win this pretty convincingly. However, with De'Aaron Fox being the star of the team, as we've seen throughout the playoffs, with him having that shooting hand injury, I'm not going to – I don't want to, you know, kind of – He did hit clutch shots, though, at the end of the game. With he did. Finger. He had that three. Uh, he had the, a couple mid-range uh, shots, too. So I'm not going to count out Fox yet, but I, I also don't want to predict a winner because I don't want to eat my words. So um, You've been doing well so far. Yeah. So I said Sacramento would win game five uh, and seven, so – I guess I'll stay on my words. Whatever. I'll say Sacramento steals what's this one in an extremely close contest. And I think Malik Monk is the uh, the guy to watch out for. What about Harrison Barnes? Did that pain you? Uh, it was a good shot. Because he um, missed the game-winning shot. Yeah, he missed the game-winner in game four. Uh, down one, shot a fairly open three off of a deer and Fox pass. Um, Fox was double covered. Everybody's like, oh, clutch player of the year. You should be taking that shot. He's double covered, losing the, the ball finger. from... Yeah, from the three-point line with a broken finger. I don't need him shooting that shot. Um, passes out to Barnes. Barnes gets a good look, shoots it, and misses. you got to live and die with the shot. So um, would, I, would I rather see somebody else shoot? Sure. But you got to live and die with it. So I'm not going to sit here and complain about it because it wasn't a bad shot. Harrison Barnes has no excuse because I remember watching the end of this game, and he's take, he took a step back three. This was before the end of the game, like with a few minutes left. He took a step back three, terrible shot. You're a one-time champ. You've been in these situations your entire career, especially back in Golden State. What are you doing taking these terrible shots? I would expect someone like Monk taking that, never been in this high situation. I wouldn't even expect Fox, but I could see it. It's his first time in the playoffs. But come Fox on. hits him, though, in the clutch. No, I agree. But Harrison Barnes, you can't be taking these terrible shots in the clutch. Again, the game winner's different. He had no choice. But I remember going down on the wire in this game, he had a couple bad shots one of them in particular was a step back three in the same area where he missed he missed this one too it's like what are you doing you can't be doing this it just kind of showed again he doesn't have an experience but it kind of showed the whole team in general just doesn't have the experience at the Warriors I think you just got to realize who has the hot hand because it obviously wasn't Harrison um I would have given the ball to Keegan Murray um, he was doing, yeah, yeah, he was the rookie, crazy. but he was also shooting like eight for nine from three throughout the game, and he had like 26 points. So um, if you're going to feed anybody, feed that guy. He's hitting leaning threes, like four of them in the game. So uh, if you're going to feed somebody, feed him, Monk or Fox. Don't take that shot because you want to play hero ball. You're better than that, Harrison. So, um, yeah, you, you took a good-looking shot at the end of the game, and it didn't hit. So uh, maybe you can avenge yourself in this one. Moving on to the final series we are going to talk about, the Grizzlies versus the Lakers. This is going... Not to plan, I would say, for Grizzlies Nation. They are currently down 3-1 to one against the Los Angeles Lakers, losing game three and four. Relatively close, all of them, but lost game four, 117-111. They play again tonight. And Nick, does this series end tonight for the Memphis Grizzlies and the Lakers move on? What's your take on it? Yeah, I think it does. Uh, you know, you can't... Dylan Brooks, I don't know who he thought he was talking to, but that's, you know, that's LeBron James. You can't talk to LeBron like that. And LeBron is... He's gone off. He's gone crazy in this in this first round, like he always does. He always does great in the playoffs. So. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's over. Yeah, it's just like I, you can't count out the Grizzlies because obviously on paper, I mean obviously you got LeBron on one side and AD, but on paper it's they're a, better. Yeah, a, relatively better overall. You still got Triple J, but then John Morant is obviously fighting through some pain in his wrist. We'll have to see. I think the Grizzlies might win tonight, but then when it comes back to LA. At Crypto.com Arena, the Lakers will win. I just don't see the Grizzlies coming back from this. On the flip side, though, 
I do not want to count the Bucks. They can come back. But this one, I just can't see it happening for the Grizzlies. And then the final piece for the news today, the Portland Trailblazers. This actually came out a few hours ago. Not major news. That's why it's last. But the Portland Trailblazers will officially be getting a G League franchise in the 23-24 NBA season, leaving the Phoenix Suns as the only team without a minor league affiliate. Not major news, but I thought it was worth adding because I remember Nick and I had this conversation before. I think it was a while ago, but we were trying to figure out the two teams that don't have a G League team. Affiliate, that's the Suns and the Trailblazers. But now the Blazers got one, hey, maybe they can start to draft some help that can progress into someone for Damian Lillard. I'm just kidding. He might be gone. He's too old. Nah, no, I'm just messing around. Not major news at all. I just wanted to throw it in here for today. But now we move on to the NBA's Best Dynasties tier list. We each chose 10... They'll probably be relatively the same, but I think we all, I just kind of, we kind of just put it as we each choose 10 and we have A minus, A, A plus, and then GOAT tier because I think we can all agree there's no such thing as a bad dynasty. You'd be root to be F, D, all the way up to A and then S tier. So we just did A minus, A, A plus, and then GOAT tier. We'll start off with Nick with A minus. I actually have some honorable mentions unless you guys do. I, I, I have one. I don't. You, I'll, I'll say mine. I have the 2007 to 2010 Kobe Bryant and Pagasol Lakers. They played three seasons together. Well, th- these three seasons, they went to, they played a lot more than three seasons together. But these three seasons, they went to the finals three years in a row, lost the first one to my Boston Celtics, but then went back to back in 2009 to 2010 for two championships. This was in the later years of Kobe and Pa's career. I just don't think it was Kobe's on here again. Don't you worry. Of course, he's on here again. For the actual tier list, I just don't think he had. I don't know. I just don't think this was quite a so-called dynasty that some of the other ones were. Maybe if they won three in a row, hundred percent. If they beat the Celtics in two thousand eight, but since they just won two together, I just couldn't throw it on here as a dynasty. But definitely a big honorable mention for me. Yeah, my honorable mention is the mid nineteen nineties Houston Rockets. Um, That's a good one too. Yeah. So uh, in three years, um, 94, 95, two rings, um, both being in the ninety four and ninety five seasons. Um, Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, absolutely fantastic for their time. A lot of people are going to say that they only won those rings because Michael Jordan was not in the league, which is not a bad you know, thing to say. But uh, Hakeem Olajuwon was absolutely phenomenal. Still won. And uh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't. You can't take away those rings. Uh, Hakeem has two, and in those two years, Hakeem Olajuwon showed why he's one of the all-time great centers. So uh, I had to give him an honorable mention because Hakeem's one of my favorite players of all time. I know Nick loves Clyde Drexler, so I had to show him some love for those two rings in two years. That's definitely a good one but now we move on to a minus all right so i'll start the a minus off with my favorite dynasty of all time the bad boy pistons um they were able to get to the last two titles in the 80s uh well no they won in the, they won in 90 89 well. and yeah, 90 yeah so but um you know this was one of this was a team that like revolution changed the game as far as fouls and just physical play because ever since that team you know, stop being a dynasty is whenever all the physicality kind of went down from there and it's developed into what we see today. So, um, you know, I think as far as just this team, I think this team could take, you know, any team of all time to, to seven games, you know. Up up and down, the roster is really good. They have depth. They have Dennis Rodman off the bench when Dennis Rodman was actually in his prime. So, you know, I think this is definitely worth – I could see an argument for this being an A, an A-tier team, but they just, you know, they just didn't win enough. So. The reason why they're not an A-tier team, and I can I completely agree with everything you were saying because I actually have them in the same exact spot at A-, is because their last championship of their back-to-back championship run was – when Jordan and the Bulls started their first three-piece. So that kind of closed the door for them. If they started earlier, or even if they could just get past Michael Jordan and the Bulls, I feel like they could have the trajectory of winning six, a lot like the Bulls did, or at least five, like some of these Lakers dynasties we're going to talk about later, or at least I will. I'm sure you guys have the same thing. There's only so many teams to pick. But it was very close between the seven to ten Lakers and then these bad boy Pistons. But I had to go with the Pistons just because of they were doing this in the error while Jordan was in the league, and he was just continuing to grow. It was right before he started his three-peat error, but still, it was so close that if Jordan didn't exist, I think the Pistons would have been what the Bulls became. So for that very reason, they won two back-to-back. They went to three championships in a row. They were very close to becoming what the Bulls became. 
Yeah, so my first one also in that uh, A A minus tier is the bad boy Pistons. Um, I know we're talking about them already. I don't have really much to say, but they're one of two teams that really had Michael Jordan's number in the playoffs, especially very early in his career. They knocked him out of the first round a couple times, and they were absolutely phenomenal, one of the roughest and toughest teams that we'd ever seen in the history of basketball. So um, they knew exactly what they were doing. They had some stars on that team like Isaiah Thomas, one of the great point guards of all time. Bill Lambeer, uh, I'm pretty sure his nickname is the Prince of Darkness which is like one of the coolest yes i saw that somewhere it's on 2k like you could make a bill lambeer build and they his nickname is the prince of darkness so i thought that was pretty cool along with other guys like dennis rodman joe, joe dumars um uh, they had phenomenal pieces all around so um just from a pure talent standpoint and a wing standpoint it doesn't get much better than the bad boy pistons do you have any more a minus yeah i do i can we should I have just, one more yeah, we should yeah, have just, just said okay. it that's what we'll do for the next one but uh my other team, I have the 2010 Lakers, the 2009-2010 Lakers. Um, everything that you already said about them, you know, they they were able to get two titles over the Magic and the, and the Celtics. They, they beat the Celtics, yeah, and the Celtics. Obviously, the Magic series, that was, you know, theirs to lose. That was a really easy series to win. Everybody anticipated LeBron versus Kobe for that year, but we didn't get to see that. Um, but, yeah, all in all, it was a really good – it was a really good dynasty, just not – one of the best ones as far as, you know, the talent that we have, um, you know, above that. But I think that this really kind of just capped off what Kobe was as far as his his legacy and everything. And, you know, although they didn't really win much, they still were able to win two titles. And um, I do agree with you. If they were able to win three, it'd be, you know, A-plus or go potentially. So I completely agree. So this is for my other A minus, like Nick said. Next time we'll just do I'll do A, so on and so forth. But to finish it off for me, the nineteen forty nine to nineteen fifty four Minneapolis Lakers. There was only eight teams in the NBA. That's why they're not higher. My point being is, before big names came into the league like Bill Russell, they won five championships, ran through George Mike, and we all know that Mike and Drill from back in high school coaches told us to do. They would have had. They would have won more if they didn't meet Bill Russell, and then also George Mikan abruptly retired at the age of 29 due to multiple broken bones and continuous injuries. There are five-time BAA slash NBA championships, five championships in six years, two-peat from 49 to 50, plus a three-peat in 52, 53, and 54. I know this is early times in the NBA. That's why I have them at A-minus tier and don't have them higher because, again, they weren't playing huge talent levels. This was before Bill Russell came into the league, right when George Mikan got, got out of the league. Then Bill Russell came into the league. Yeah, this was two years prior to Bill Russell coming into the league in 56. Plus, guys like Jerry West and Oscar Robinson were not in the league as well. That's why I have an A- minus and don't have them higher because, again, they were so dominant. There's only eight teams in the NBA, and they weren't playing guys like Bill Russell, Oscar Robinson, and Jerry West, who obviously would have made it more competitive. They came in a few years after this dynasty. But, again, I still had to put them on here because they were so dominant in the time they did play. Yeah, so... Um I had an extremely similar list to Alex while making mine, and you know how I am. I like to be the very controversial one out here, and I like to do crazy things. So that's what I'm doing here today, and I have in my A- tier, I'm sorry, but I have the Miami Heat Big 3. Mm -hmm. This might sound extremely Stalker. crazy. Yeah, call me LeBron hater, I don't care. However, four seasons of this uh, of this dynasty, they won two titles in 2012 and 2013. Uh, I believe beating the Spurs once and the Mavericks once. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, right. yeah. And then also losing to the Spurs once and to the Mavericks once. Um, they so beat OKC, not Dallas. Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, I couldn't, I don't, yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember them beating Dallas. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was Oklahoma City. Um, so those two wins are obviously fantastic. Um, that's where they got one of the biggest shots of all time, obviously being the Ray Allen corner three. Um, and they had stars everywhere. Chris Bosh, Ray Allen, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, obviously. So, What makes um, you say so low? They only played four seasons together, uh, making the finals all four years. However, I do think longevity-wise, it could have gone longer um, just because of the talent they had, and they couldn't lock up LeBron a little longer. Because if you lock up LeBron again, I think they win like six rings or something. But they lost two finals, and one of them being to one of the biggest underdogs in NBA history, that being that Dallas Mavericks team. Um and that Miami team, a lot of people forget, talked a lot of smack on Dallas throughout um, the finals because Dirk Nowitzki came in sick um, into the NBA finals and LeBron and Dwayne Wade were quoted by Dirk Nowitzki himself on just flaming him for it. 
And then Dirk Nowitzki comes back and shows him who's the boss hoss and takes the finals away from him in their first year. So, um, And then the last year in their loss, they lose to a very young Kawhi Leonard uh, who wins his first finals MVP. So, like, in their very first press conference, LeBron was quoted in saying, we ain't winning one, yep. we ain't winning two, three, four, five, six, seven, and they won two and lost two. So um, two and two in the finals. Yeah, they made the finals four times, but with the talent you had, you got to be a little better than two and two. So I'm not going to take anything away from them because they are obviously a dynasty and they're one of the greatest teams ever assembled. But longevity-wise and from a winning percentage standpoint in the finals, I think they could have been a little better. No, I completely agree. That's why I have them coming up soon and not – higher where they should be if they stay together for a longer time. Yeah. All right, moving on to A, I have the 1980s, just the 1980s Celtics. Um, they were able to win three titles. Mag- Magic and the Lakers completely owned this whole decade, but they, they the, excuse me, the Celtics were also able to win a couple. They just weren't able to win like back to back to back. They won, they won several different seasons. And also prior to, the '80s, they won one in '79. So, I, and but Bird wasn't on the t- uh, on the team for '78, '79. So, Bird was not on the team at this point, though. So, I don't know if you're considering that to be part of the dynasty. Probably not, because all the players from that team were retired for the most part. So, but anyways, yeah, this is one of the best teams of all time, as far as just like pure basketball. They they had they had everything that you needed. They had they had a vet being Bill uh, Bill Walton. They had a good coach. I don't I forgot who the coach was, but I know it's one of the greatest coaches of all time. They had Dennis Johnson, Bird, and McCall as their and Parrish as their uh, big three, and which they all drafted too. So you know they they really built that team from the ground up, and they you know a lot of people say should they have taken Magic over Bird and all this, but. Uh, they're more than happy with their three titles. Casey Jones. Was Casey coach. Jones, yep. One of the greatest coaches of all and time. And players for the so, Yeah. No, do you have any others? Oh, yeah. I, this we'll is, just finish it, yeah. This is where I have Miami. Um, as Jamie said, they did lose twice. Um, but the first I, – I, I, I give them a pass on the first one just because – obviously, there's no pass on losing the finals. But I'm saying the reason that I, don't, I take a little bit less away is just because the, that season, they didn't have – Shane Battier or any of the role players that helped them win the, the back-to-back titles like Ray Allen and all that. You know, it was really just them, the big three, and, and nobody else. I think Mike Miller was the only player. And at that time, he was still relatively well, Mario good. Chalmers. He was a rookie then. I mean, I don't know. Norris Cole. Norris Cole, Norris too, Cole, yeah. But, I mean. Mike Miller was a bucket thumb. You know, he was but, a sniper. Um, you know, this, this – they weren't even. They hadn't even developed the team into what they wanted it to be yet. At this point, Dwayne Wade was still the first option in his mind. Chris Bosh was wanting to play power forward, and it just wasn't. It wasn't a good, a good fit for the team. Then they got their stuff together, and LeBron and Eric Spoelstra patched out the beef that they had, and they ended up going back to back. And as far as 2014 goes, though, they really had no excuse to lose that. You know, Kawhi Leonard is just such a good defender and player. This is where he really broke out, and you know. That is what that is. We'll talk about the Spurs later, I'm sure. But, um, you know, Miami, definitely one of the best teams of all time, one of the best best big threes of all time. LeBron and D-Wade, one of the best duos of all time. So. Moving on to my A tier, I have the exact same two. I'll just add to the discussion. I have the 1981 to 1986 Boston Celtics six seasons. They won three championships. But like Nick said, they were obviously trying to battle with Kareem and Magic. And that didn't go too well. But they did sneak three championships in 81, 84, and then again in 86. And they had all the makings of a team that should have won back-to-back championships if it wasn't for the Lakers. Larry Bird and Kevin McHale were your top two, plus Robert Parrish, Danny Ainge, who was like the Marcus Smart before Marcus Smart. I see why he drafted him. Dennis Johnson, Cedric Maxwell, and Bill Walton. Veterans plus young superstars. That's a championship contention roster. We see it in today's NBA teams trying to emulate that. That is why they're one of the best dynasties of all time. A tier, nothing crazy, but I definitely had to throw them on here. Moving on to my last one, the 2010 to 2014 Miami Heat. They had four seasons together. I agree with exactly what Jamie said and what Nick said. Longevity, especially Jamie, this was one of his bigger points, was longevity. They could have played so much longer together. They probably won, I don't know about six, but they could have won like four. They could have doubled what they've know. done, I agree. I think they could have doubled. They, they, they would have taken out that... They would have taken out that Warriors, 2015, Warriors yeah. team without KD. Ooh, I, I forgot about that Golden State team. They I would have taken out think, that team. I think D-Wade was too old. Chris Bosh was already getting heart problems. I don't think they would have won another time. 2015, I think they could have snagged one more. Three. I think they could have got three. I mean, if, three if the trajectory went right with KD getting injured that season, then yeah, they probably would have beat the Warriors in that series just because at that time, D-Wade was still better than Kyrie and arguably Chris Bosh was better than
better than than Kevin Love. And they actually had Hassan Whiteside and some other guys like that. Maybe they could have yeah. won one more. Hassan Whiteside, people forget. He was a board man. But they I don't were know. getting old, obviously, besides LeBron. I don't know. If they would have stood together maybe that one last year, and then LeBron goes back to my, uh, Cleveland and does the same thing, kind of, who knows like what would have happened. But I don't know. I think that that team's cap was two titles. It's just only four years together. Obviously, they won back-to-back in the middle there. Like both of you guys said, lost to Dallas at the beginning and then Spurs at the end of their I think they should have at least years. beat uh, San Antonio because that was an extremely old Spurs team. Because we're going to talk about the Spurs later. Of course. But um, this was like the 14th or 15th year of that Spurs dynasty. And so Tim One Duncan. One of the longest ones we're yeah, talking about. Tim Duncan is like in his 16th year in the NBA, and you also have an aging Tony Parker and an extremely young Kawhi Leonard who won finals MVP, despite only averaging 18 points a game. So um, I think Miami had no excuses to lose that one. Um, I can see your reasoning behind Dallas. However, Dirk Nowitzki was on a different mission that time. So, um, yeah, Miami, it's tough to kind of gauge them. But uh, did you have anything else to add in your A tier? No, I completely agree. All right, so let's move into my A tier. This is where I have the Minneapolis Lakers. Um, So I only swapped them with Miami. Um, because they have the five and six, uh, five rings in six years, they did stay longer, as well as the fact that um, George Mikan did retire early at the age of 29, just because of all those injuries he he kind of acquired. Um, it's definitely not the most uh, impressive uh, dynasty teams. ever. Yeah, there was eight teams in the league. However, I mean, to win five championships in six years, I don't care how many teams are in the league, unless it's like two, um, that's impressive. Um, so I, I got to give them their kudos especially in, a, in that time of basketball, it was a, a very tough league. So um, just from a, a physicality standpoint, not from like pure skill, because I'm fairly certain today's Detroit Pistons would wipe the floor with the Minneapolis Lakers. But um, I do think five titles in six years, that can't go un, unnoticed. One real quick thing I want to add is you're probably wondering, well, you guys are being hypocrites, at least for me. I don't have the Celtics on the same you know, line as that Lakers team. I'll explain that later. But I just want to point out that, no, I'm not being a hypocrite. I just want to point that out that I'll come back to that. And then my other A-tier team, I have the mid-80s, uh, the 1980 uh, Boston Celtics. They were just phenomenal with Larry Bird. And I do think they could have been higher if they weren't competing with the Showtime Lakers, who we'll also all talk about later. Um, but Larry Bird, I mean, you can't take away from what he's done in many, well, not many people, but in a few people that I know's eyes, Larry Bird's the greatest uh, small forward of all time. Um, and they also had a various That's other crazy. pieces. Casey Jones, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Dave Cowens and Robert Parrish, who people forget Robert Parrish. He was a dog and he played for like 25 years or something. He played the most games in NBA history. So that Celtics team was extremely underrated. They have the rings to show for it. And if it wasn't for that Showtime Lakers team and Magic Johnson and Kareem, who knows where they'd be on here. So let's move on to A+. Plus. All right, moving on to A plus. I'm going to start out with the Golden State Warriors. Um, you know, four titles in eight years, seven years, something like that. Um, obviously, I'm not going to take away from any titles they won, uh, despite you know I'm four All Stars on the court at the same time. Weakest moves and one of the weakest moves in sports history. But um, you know, outside of that, they still are have the players that they built inside of that uh, inside of there outside of Kevin Durant. Have four titles, so and they're all home girls. They're all home, exactly. Yeah. So the only person that can catch any sort of fire from that is Kevin Durant, I believe. So you know, as far as Steph Curry and all them, that that's one of the greatest dynasties of all time. It's what has transitioned basketball into being into you know the shooting era that we're seeing and this three and D and just having you know not your point guard be the primary playmaker. You know, people like Draymond Green are starting to take are starting to, you know, be able to take over a little bit like Jokic, Draymond Green, you know, just some other guys that aren't necessarily point guards that are playmaking the basketball. So, you know, I the fact that they were able to win so consistently, like from before K D was there when KD was there, now after KD was there, and Curry's 35 years old playing like he's 22. So, you know, I think this team could go on another two or three years, and who knows, they can maybe win six or seven. Any others? It's not impossible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this is where I have the the 60s or seven, the 60s Celtics. I um, yeah, that's where I have them. And the reason I don't have the Minneapolis Lakers on here at all, um, the reason I do have the Celtics on here is it's 11 championships and it's in the 60s where you still had people like, you know, Wilt. You still had Oscar Robertson. Um, they go. You had Kareem. Bob Pettit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was much more talent at this point. And, you know, it's it's very difficult to win 11 titles. And especially with all the stuff that was going on, out on 
stuff that was going on outside of the NBA for these players. You know, Bill Russell was really able to change the game, and he had teams saying they didn't want him, and then he goes to Boston, and he dominates the NBA for 15 years. So, you know, he's one of the greatest players of all time. I don't know how good he would be or, you know, they would be now. But, you know, regardless, nevertheless, it's 11 uh, titles. So, No, I completely agree, Nick. Half stole my argument I was going to make to why I had the Lakers less than the Celtics because the talent level. The Minneapolis Lakers, the best player in the league at that time was George the guy Mike. on their team, George Mike. And the rest of them, I looked up like the, some of the most notable players. None of them compared to who these Boston Celtics, the 1957-69 to 69 Boston Celtics were playing. They were going against Will Chamberlain, Rick Barry, Jerry West, Oscar Robertson, and Bob Petty, just to name a few of the stars at the time. Just the leagues itself. Again, there were only nine teams but each nine of those teams, so one more from the eight, were stacked. Each nine of those teams were stacked, unlike the Minneapolis Lakers, who only one team was really stacked, and that was the Minneapolis Lakers. So that is why I had to put the Celtics higher. And then also the fact that they won 11 championships in 13 seasons, winning seven in a row at one point. That will never happen again. That will never, I promise you, it will never happen again. And if it does, well, I'm sorry, but I'm sure we'll all be passed away by the time that happens. It's just crazy how much they did, and again, just to make my argument clear, Nick said it very well himself as well, is that there was only eight teams, but there was only one team that was stacked, Minneapolis Lakers versus Boston Celtics team at this era. They were playing guys like Will Chamberlain, Rick Barry, Jerry West, Oscar Robertson, Bob Pettit, all-time greats. Each team was loaded, but the Celtics had Bill Russell, and that, man, they, they just took over. I have two more to talk about. The 2015 to today, they're still going on. This dynasty still exists. I think the, yeah, the only one that is still currently going on, the Golden State Warriors. Four-time champions, 2015, 2017, 2018, they repeated there. And then 2022, last season, they obviously beat my Boston Celtics. In 2016, yes, they blew the finals, a 3-1 lead against the Cleveland Cavaliers, but you could not take away what happened in their dynasty. They achieved the best regular season record of all time, going 73-9. Again, they blew the finals, so it really doesn't matter that much. But again, this is all part of their dynasty story, and that record will go in the history books forever until someone beats it, which probably will happen one day. We thought the Bulls won 72-10 was unbeatable, and then the Warriors came along and did it, so it'll probably get beaten one day. But with that said, they have to be on here. Then the final one I have for A-plus is the 1999-2002 Shaq and Kobe Lakers. I said Kobe would be back on here again. This is where they are. They spent from 96 to 2004 together, but Kobe didn't really turn to Kobe until the 99-2000 season when they won their first championship together, and they three-peated. They won a 2000. 2001, 2002 plus reached the 2004 finals, but lost to the Pistons. That's one of the best duos of all time, Shaq and Kobe. Kobe and Shaq, some who was really the leader at the time. I think it was kind of Shaq. Shaq. I, no, I agree. I think that's where I was going. I think it was kind of Shaq, but still, Kobe really turned into the Kobe Bryant that we know today. One of the greatest basketball players of all time. And that three-peat, we're really starting to talk about some great dynasties right now. The current day Warriors, the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, the 57 to 69 Celtics. Those are some of the three best dynasties of all time before we get into the GOAT tier. Those are my three. All right, let's move on to my A-plus tier. And let's start off with the, um, looking at it now, the only current running dynasty, that being the Golden State Warriors. Um, they have just been so good for so long. All thanks to Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one of the most, like... I'm not going to say that. They are completely homegrown outside of Kevin Durant being brought in um, with uh, Curry being drafted by Warriors. Uh, Draymond Green was a steal. Klay Thompson was a steal. Like Jordan Poole now. Jordan Poole, yeah, he was drafted by them. So really, like, everybody was um, drafted by Golden State outside of, like, KD, Andrew Wiggins. Boogie. Um, and, yeah, Boogie wasn't even that much of a contributor. He didn't even win a ring with them. Um, but Golden State has been fantastic. And, you know, bringing in Kevin Durant – I mean, you can't give flack to Golden State for that because, I mean, if you have the opportunity to sign, uh, you know, former MVP like Kevin Durant, you're going to do it. Um, KD, obviously, is going to get more hate for it because he didn't want to go on his own path and wintering. But if you're in the same, like, position as Golden State, everybody is going to go out and sign the best player available. Nothing's so. wrong with what they did. It's the yeah, no. he did. Yeah. yeah, no, that's what I'm trying to the defend. Warriors, like, it's more of a problem on, on, on KD than it is Golden State. But Golden State made a smart move. Um, they had to combat LeBron somehow, and they went ahead and did it. So uh, Golden State, obviously one of the greatest of all time, and they're still pushing. Uh, right now they're in the playoffs against Sacramento, and if they go ahead and beat us, I wouldn't low-key mind them winning another title. Um 
Just because we're talking about it now? Yeah, just because we're talking about it. Like, I, I'd like I to see, see Steph Curry. Yeah, I want to see Steph Curry win one more and see if he can get that top three player all-time status. Next, let's move on to the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, the Jake Riker, Jamie Martinez Lakers. Uh, we are Shaq and Kobe, if you don't know. Uh, greatest roommate duo of all time. However, Shaq and Kobe, one of the most dominant duos we've seen in the history of NBA um, but despite being one of the most dominant duos, you can't disregard a lot of the role players they had. The Robert Ories, Rick Fox, Derek Fishers, uh, Ron Harper. That's a Robert Ory. Um, but they just had so many like fantastic pieces that led to all those rings and the three-peat. Um, Phil Jackson, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Yes, sir. He's um, on here again. He's going to be here again. Don't you, don't you worry about Phil Jackson. Um, but Shaq and Kobe Lakers, one of the most popular dynasties of all time. And... Quite possibly the most dominant duo of all time. And then lastly, I have the old-time Celtics, the 1957 to 1969, correct? Is yeah. that what you said? Yeah. yeah. Those Boston Celtics led by the Lord of the Rings, Bill Russell, 11 titles, um, will most likely never be replicated again. He was absolutely dominant for his time, and he had a lot of talent to face. Um, like we said earlier, the Wilt Chamberlains of the world, the Oscar Robertsons, um, and, and all of them. So... I mean, the old-time Celtics, absolutely fantastic. Uh, they did. They had some great talent to face up against, um, and they were just so dominant for so long. Great coaching, great players. You just couldn't stop them at See, the time. I feel like most would put them in GOAT. I just couldn't do it because of the fact that, again, they were dominant against the nine teams with all nine teams having superstars. But, again, they were nine teams versus 30 today. Yeah. That's the, reason, that's the big reason why I couldn't put them in GOAT. But if they're playing 30 teams, they'd be – yeah, in an echelon of them by themselves, it would be surpassing goat. Yeah, if, they, be, if it was thirty teams, no, they would probably be the greatest of all time. He would yeah. be absolutely. I, yeah, I completely agree with that. Let's move on to the goat. All tier. right, moving on to the goat tier. Um, I'll just go in the order of what I have these teams in my head. Okay. Um, so in my mouth, uh, so yeah. from like one to three with the goat. Yeah, yeah, like who I think is greatest in this specific order. I have the two thousands Lakers. Then I have the Spurs, you know, 1999 to 2014. Then I have the 90s Bulls, and then I have the Showtime Lakers. At one? Yeah. So you have the Shaq and Kobe Lakers in the GOATs. I do. What's your reasoning behind that? Um, well, just because, of, for one, entertainment. Um, obviously, you know, the, I just, you know, you look at the, the Warriors and the Celtics team, it's like, all right, I'm not even going to talk about the Celtics. Uh, the Warriors, as far as the Warriors, you look at the team that they were competing with, they were competing with LeBron by himself for for two of those titles, and then they were competing with, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in their first, in their first uh, finals appearance. Well, the Lakers were facing just AI, yeah, but they were facing more competition, especially in the Western Conference. Um, you know, they had to, they had to face Reggie Jack... Uh, they had, no, not not even him. They had to face Scottie Pippen in the Portland Trailblazers, who Sacramento. were really good. They had to face Sacramento. They had a lot of really good Sacramento. matchups in the Western Conference. Um, Rigged, right? It was rigged. Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> those whatever. Uh, they they had to. They had a. It took a lot for them to get out of the Western Conference. At one point, they during that 2000 2001 finals, they had to. They almost swept their way completely through the whole entire playoffs. They only lost one game, and that was in the finals to the Philadelphia 76ers. And um, yeah, I just think that that's really kind of what makes them be one of the greatest duos of all time, or duos, uh, one of the greatest dynasties of all time, is because neither one of them even won an MVP on any three of these teams, and they were still able to, you could still look at them and say, yeah, these are the two best players in the NBA by far, and they were proving that, I think. I know they three-peated, but even though they just won three, you have to, you can put them in GOAT? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just because it's a three-peat, that's why. I, I that's agree. That's the main reason. But, yeah, uh, that's fair. And... I mean, I feel like these other three, you know, you can't really argue that necessarily. I mean, it's, you know, six titles, five titles, five titles. I'll, I'll just say why I think that I'll take the Lakers over the Bulls is because this team was really kind of more of a matchup. While you look at the, the teams that the Bulls were playing, it was teams with one superstar on it. Like, you know, the Suns just had Barkley. The Rockets, or not the Rockets, the Blazers just had Drexler. The Jazz, they had a duo the two years they played them. And then the Supersonics really kind of just had Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, and that was really it. And then, you know, you look at the 80s Lakers, they were facing the Bad Boy Pistons, the Celtics. They, they were facing... Um, the Supersonics with Rick Smith and all them, and they they just faced a lot of really good teams that could have you know also made a run and won five titles as well. So you know that's what puts them ahead for me. So I mean, those are valid arguments. I just think for me, my goat tier. These are all teams that won 
a bunch. Starting off with the Chicago Bulls from 1991 to 1998, the Bulls in seven seasons won six championships. There was a gap there in the middle because obviously Michael Jordan explored baseball for whatever reason with the White Sox. And I actually saw it. He played for a Birmingham, the Birmingham White Sox minor league team. So he was down here in Alabama with us. Obviously, we weren't alive, but you know what I mean. But anyways, they won six championships in seven seasons, three-peating on each side of Michael Jordan's MLB exploration, winning in 91, 92, 93. Pause, baseball. Then in 96, 97, and 98. And then in the 1996 season, they had the best record until the Warriors came around of all time, 72 and 10. And most will say this is the one that counts because what did they do that the Warriors didn't? They won the championship. That's up for debate. We don't got to talk about it. That's a different day. But either way, 72 and 10, won the championship and finish off the three-peat in 97, 98. Two three-peats. That's insane for the relatively modern NBA. They weren't quite 30 teams at this time, but there was probably around, you know, 28. It was before some teams came along. But still, that is insane, and they are obviously well-warranted for the GOAT status. Moving on to the 1999 to 2014 Spurs, one of the longest-running dynasties of all time. We never knew when this one was going to end. This could honestly... If, you know, some guys didn't get older, if Kawhi decided to stay in San Antonio, if he could get some pieces to join him, this dynasty could still be continuing to today. But then obviously, as we know, Kawhi wanted out, went to the Raptors, and that's the end of that story. But five championships, 1999, 2003, 2005, 2007, and 2014. Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich, their coach, were there for all five of them. The first one in 1999 was with David Robinson and Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown Jr.'s father, who was there for the next two finals runs. But then they drafted guys like Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, plus young guys like Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard were there for their most recent ship in 2014. Homegrown talent. A lot like the Warriors, this dynasty compares in that very same vein. Homegrown talent from the very beginning to 1999 all the way up to 2014. All their stars that helped to win those championships are homegrown, drafted, or signed from undrafted free agency or from foreign countries. Like, I believe mine. I don't think he was drafted. I think he was... Was he drafted? Nick would know. You would know that. Yeah. He was drafted? Okay. By the Spurs? Yeah, I know, he obviously, he came there when he was a rookie. I just yeah, didn't know if he, he was, was just... Okay. But anyways, homegrown talent, a lot, a lot like the Warriors. I give all the respect to the Spurs because I think it could still be going on today if Kawhi never decided to leave because he would have attracted talent. Greg Popovich would have draft continuous to draft well. I think they could still. I think they could have won one more since 2014. Yeah. If obviously Kawhi didn't decide to leave. Then moving on to my last one on the goat tier from 1980 to 1988, the Showtime Lakers. Just like Nick said, in nine season they won five championships. Kareem and Magic, HIV Johnson, 1980, 1982, 1985, 87, and 88. One of the best basketball teams of all time. A lot like Nick said. I agree with everything you said, but then one thing I want to add is they revived basketball. I remember watching a documentary earlier this, you know, I think back in October with my roommate Tommy about the Showtime Lakers. I think it was called Showtime Lakers, actually. They revived the game of basketball. Basketball was dying. The business model itself was falling apart. Obviously, the Celtics were doing great, but this was post-Bell Russell. I know the Celtics won three in between here with the Lakers, which really sparked the NBA comeback and for the business to continue to grow and really set the tone for guys like Michael Jordan to come into the league to continue taking over the legacy of the NBA and the Showtime Lakers. Obviously now, one of the biggest businesses in the entire world. It got revived by the Showtime Lakers winning five championships in nine seasons with Kareem and Magic Johnson obviously being the top two spearheaded duo of that fantastic run. All right, and let's move on to my final goats here. I'm going to start off with uh, – I'll go in order too. And my order oh, yeah, are, mine was not in order. Yeah. I just said I'll go in order too just because like, I can't whatever. make that order. I'm going to go with – it's controversial, but at three I'm going to go with the Showtime Lakers. Um, I know Nick had them at one. However, they were uh, absolutely sensational – and they lived up to the name Showtime. Uh, Magic, Kareem, absolutely unstoppable. Five-time NBA champions from 1980 all the way to 1988. Um, they were facing off with guys like Larry Bird, like Isaiah Thomas and the Pistons uh, and the Celtics. So they had some fantastic talent to go up against. And uh, a younger Sonics team who – it was not Rick Smith. It was uh, Jack Sigma. Jack Sigma, who, has, who was a former All-Star. So he was really good. But I'm going to have them and their five rings at three. Number two is where I'm going to have Chicago. Um, Chicago was fantastic. Um, in my my eyes, the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. And the talent they faced, um, it, I mean, nothing should be taken away from them too because Michael Jordan had to go up against um, teams like the New York Knicks who were – 
very slept on. They were really good. Pat Ewing, John Starks, Charles Oakley, uh, the Pacers with Rick Smith and Reggie Miller, um, Charles Barkley on the Suns and the Sixers, who wasn't just Charles Barkley. There was also Kevin Johnson, who was a three-time All-Star. Um, so, I mean, the talent who Jordan had to face – it wasn't scrubs. They were absolutely phenomenal. I mean, yeah, you still had Magic a lot playing way. I'm just saying because you also have guys like Akeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, Clyde Drexler. You wasn't playing them in the finals though. I mean, it doesn't matter. You still had to face them. Grant Hill or Dikembe Mutombo. Hey, more than the Minneapolis Lakers. I mean, yeah, obviously, <laughs> uh, Grant Hill, young Grant Hill. So. Um, the Bulls, six titles in eight years, and they only didn't win in between because Michael Zorn was playing baseball. They won a one. And they're undefeated in the finals. So uh, I just I think just add, yeah. yeah, they are undefeated, never lost. So I just think from a pure dominant standpoint and the one extra ring over the Lakers, I got to give them that two spot. But number one, I have the San Antonio Spurs. Who we'll also have five championships, but from a longevity mm. standpoint. Longevity plays a big part in where I rank these. And 16 seasons a for a dynasty to last is unheard of. And outside of Boston, the only team to do it. Um, they won their first title in 1999 with an extremely young Tim Duncan. They didn't even last. They lasted 13 years. Yeah. So uh, longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a extremely young Tim Duncan and an aging David Robinson. They went again in 2003 with a younger Tim Duncan. And uh, did, I don't think David Robinson Bruce was Brown on that team. Was yeah, it was Bruce Brown. So Tim Duncan... That shows to that that shows how dominant he was in his prime. People forget how good he was. Two thousand five. Tony Parker was yeah. there too in two thousand three. Yeah, and then two thousand five, you have Manu now. No, and Manu was there for two thousand three because they won four. Yeah, yeah, you're and right. Tony Parker. I forgot how uh, Manu used to have the uh, the big head of hair. Yeah. Before he went bald. Two thousand five, another one. Two thousand seven, another one. So from ninety nine to two thousand seven, four rings in eight years, phenomenal. But then another seven, what seven or eight seasons later, actually. Um, Eight seasons later, in 2014, they win another one with the same core three, except for bringing in Kawhi Leonard, obviously, um, that they had back in 2003. That is absolutely incredible for a dynasty to last 16 seasons and bring in five titles when you're facing some of the most dominant teams ever put together in basketball, like the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, the Miami Heat, the Dallas Mavericks. There was so much talent scattered throughout the entire 16 seasons that they were together. And despite aging, they stayed loyal to Greg Popovich, who in my in many people's eyes is the greatest coach of all time. And they stayed loyal. And even eight years after winning their last title, they come back and beat one of the greatest teams ever assembled, that being the Miami Heat, even though Tim Duncan was like 40 years old at the time. So I think for how long they lasted and how dominant they were in their initial years, I think they are all but deserving of that number one spot for greatest dynasty in NBA history. That's why I think they could have continued if Kawhi stayed and they would have figured out a way to get some other talent by drafting mm-hmm. or signing. That's why I think it could have continued. Yeah. So they could have got one more in the next seven years after that. And they had so much good talent over the years, um, not just from a superstar standpoint. Uh, shoot, I, I legit just had a name in my head who I forgot. Um, but like you got to give some some uh, kudos to the role players like Robert Ory, who's another one, one of the greatest winners Danny of Green. all time. Danny Green. Uh, who are some other great role players that the Spurs had uh, throughout the time? Uh, Splitter. Tiago Splitter. Uh, yeah, Tiago Splitter. He was good. He was their center for a little bit. Pretty good. So um, the only dynasty that trumps that, you know who? Hmm. In any sport. Uh, yeah, Patriots. the Niners in the 1980s. No, the New England Patriots so, won six Super Bowls in 20 years. Mid. Um, but that is all for my GOAT tier, and that is all we have for our tier lists for today. Thank you all for tuning in to WVUA 90.7 FM and the Full Court Press Podcast. Alex, Nick, and I are going to be back on Monday with one of our favorite segments we've done all year, and it's making its return. Guess that NBA player. With that being said, make sure to follow us on Instagram at fcppodcast underscore ua and on TikTok at fcp underscore podcast. This is Jamie, Alex, and Nick signing out. Peace. See you guys. WVUA-FM, Tuscaloosa.